What is up, everybody? The divisional round has concluded. Patrick Mahomes, I guess, continues to own Josh Allen. That is going to be the story of every single media outlet and media platform post Chiefs and Bills game. I was a diehard Bills fan yesterday, rooting against Patrick Mahomes. I, I guess I, I, I'm as, uh, as sorry as every goddamn Bills fan out there. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the All Day Everyday Show with All Day AJ and Manny Ruffin. The Detroit Lions are moving on as well. Who cannot be a Detroit Lions fan right now? Our Monday guy is here, Kill Kenny, back in the Bulls jersey. What's up? And you said, you said it like last week, you read it to a T. I know this is Josh Allen's biggest moment to get it done against Mahomes and, and get a win finally in the playoffs against Patrick Mahomes. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, as an underdog in the playoffs, you just can't stay away. What's up, baby? What up, dude? I, if I could correct one thing, I don't think it's that Patrick Mahomes owns Josh Allen. I think it's Patrick Mahomes owns everybody. Like, <laughs> you know, it just it's you know, last night of you know the, the the focus will be on Josh Allen. We'll get to that game here, but uh, like if anybody needed a final reminder that this is the best player in the NFL, has been the best player in the NFL, and will continue to be the Recording best player in, in the NFL for the next like decade. Uh, yeah, just. Appreciate greatness when it's in front of you because that's that's what we're witnessing right now. Yeah, we are. We had a big slate this weekend. We'll kick things off on our Saturday slate. The Ravens hosting the Texans, a game that was ten to ten at half. You thought the underdog with that fuck you mentality, nothing to lose here with CJ Stroud on the road, first road playoff game for the rookie quarterback, and the Ravens pull away twenty-four unanswered in the second half. 34 to 10, Lamar Jackson really doing it all. And we talk about Patrick Mahomes being in a situation where he essentially had to do it all. And now we're talking about the same thing with Lamar Jackson running the ball, throwing the ball. What a huge win for the Ravens going back to the AFC Championship game. The thing that I love the most about this win was Jack Harbaugh in the locker room. Who has it better than us? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. It's great to be uh, uh, in, the, in the Harbaugh family right now. You got both Harbaugh's. You could potentially get both Harbaugh's with with championship rings this uh, this year with Michigan Lineage. and possibly the Ravens. What do you think about this game? Obviously, the uh, conspiracy theory for the Super Bowl logo does stay alive <laughs> with the Ravens and the 49ers moving on. It's funny. I've, I've seen this shared so much. It's like, <laughs> is it still a conspiracy theory if, like, the two best teams? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really know there. Um yeah, dude, this this game was great. I wish I wish the second half just had like a little more juice to it, a little, and it was like a, a little a little more competitive here. Like, you know, the Texans obviously coming in as you know nine and a half. It sometimes they got up to ten, but coming in as heavy underdogs, and they just you knew they were going to have to play a just top to bottom flawless game for for them to even have a shot here. And you know they had they had a, a little bit of good mojo in that first half, but I just feel like everyone sort of saw it coming, especially when Fairbairn missed that field goal. Like it's ten ten. You 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 have you have a chance to put up three before half, go into halftime with the lead. I don't think he'd missed a field goal the entire year. So pretty pretty yeah. tough time for uh, for your first miss. And I just think that was sort of the first domino to fall. I'd be like, all right, uh, your 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 luck your luck might be running out here. You know, you got to give credit to the uh, at least in the first half the Texans uh, defensive line. I mean, they were mm -hmm. they were vicious in that first half. They had they had Lamar under just maximum amounts of pressure. And they were, that was really the difference maker in the first half. And it's just, you know, the, the, when the Ravens came out for their first drive of the second half, that pressure was just non-existent. And then when their offense couldn't move the ball, uh, like defense was tired and it was, it was over, you know, three minutes into the second half. I mean, it was, you kind of, you kind of knew where this game was going. Yeah, it was, I was, I had a, like, it was really fun to watch Lamar play this game in such a poised fashion. It wasn't the most flashy thing, but if you look at every single scoring drive for the Ravens, it was driven by Lamar. Lamar, good decision on the pass to, to, let's say, Zay Flowers. Lamar on time, Isaiah Likely. Lamar, 20-yard run. Constantly time and time again. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the flash of Lamar. He's on time, making good reads. I think this is something to continue to watch for Lamar in the next game, too. If he can do this again, which Josh Allen was able to do early versus Chiefs, they could have some more success. I thought we had a classic on our hands when Steven Sims takes that punt back. Uh, oh, yep. my. What a beautiful middle punt return. Special team coaches across the nation were just going crazy when they watched that. I thought we had an absolute classic on our hands. And before that... Uh, Bob Slowick with the calls, I think they were on third and 12. Uh, the announcers are saying, I think he was underneath here. He calls up a, a deep dig to Nico Collins, big dick call. CJ Charles making throws. I'm like, okay, we got something on our hands. And then I saw after the game, Patrick Queen came out and was like, yeah, the first half was a little sloppy. Lamar's usually a quiet guy in the locker room at halftime, but he was more vocal. 
came out in the second half and immediately stood on it and was just making play after play after play. I think the way Lamar galvanized his team is just a little different. Like, I, I, it gives me like reminiscence. It's not the same team as the 2017 Birds, but the way the way <laughs> oh they're together. God. They're, nah, it's not at all, but the way that they're together and their swag and just how much they love each other. Like, I'm watching, there's plays where Lamar's rolling out and he wants Ryan Staley to keep blocking down field for him. He gets mad at him. Next couple of plays, he sees Ryan Staley do it for him, runs over to him, immediately gives him a tap on the helmet. Like, they're all brothers. They love each other. Like, that feel with the team right now, how they're rolling it. Are they going to a game versus the Chiefs when it comes down to it? I think it might take them over the edge. It's, it's going to be tough to not back these Ravens team. I think they're special, man. I really think they got something brewing special over there. This, uh, this poses a question for me, though, and just – you talk about the first drive. They get L- Lamar multiple times early was getting stopped in open field with a lot of open space. And we're talking like open field tackles to keep Lamar Jackson contained, which not many DBs can do. And and then it, it goes to a 53-yard field goal from Tucker to put them on the board. And it poses this question, and I got the thought, only because you know I'm sitting here talking with two Eagles fans. With the game on the line, and I, I maybe I know your answer on this one, Kenny. With the game on the line, would you want Justin Tucker kicking that field goal or those Eagles fans, do you want Mr. Jake Elliott kicking that field goal? I think there's a right answer. Don't give me no biased bullshit, but I had to ask because you guys are big Eagles fans and Jake Elliott had an, another immaculate season. Still taking Jake, bro. <laughs> I'm still taking Jake. I, I, I am. Like, look, you can just watch that Bills kick again if you I'm, want to. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to come on the show and like just for the clip like disparage Justin Tucker. I mean, Justin Tucker is going to – moonwalk into the hall of fame and when he retires he'll probably be regarded as like the best kicker ever mm-hmm. but i did i've seen enough i've seen enough from jake elliott i'm taking i'm taking him in the biggest spot possible and <laughs> I, I just I, I have too much faith in the guy but obviously man they I mean hats off the tucker the guy is just automatic when it when it matters most yeah and that set them up and you know i go back to the point of of their opening drives and i was just kind of taken back a little bit where I thought this was going to be kind of like how we were talking about the Cowboys and the Packers where the Cowboys coming into this game should be blowing them out. Same thing with the Ravens. But again, it goes back to CJ Stroud in a good spot. I do feel like if they were playing in a dome and they were at home, they win this game. I just think the the home atmosphere for these away teams takes a lot off them. That Ravens defense is special, bro. They're flying around. Like they were the 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 Texans were such a weird spot because they were stubborn with the run, but they couldn't really run the ball. And I think it was the second quarter. Bobby Slow went to this reverse package that I actually liked. But you never the Ravens defense is so fast, physical, smart, and disciplined. It didn't fool them at all. And there was another play. I think it was the second or third quarter. They ran a fake screen and they had Brevin Jordan going up the middle, which looked like a beautiful play call. And the Ravens defense is just so smart. Kyle Hamilton, time and time again, recognizes that player doesn't get fooled, almost picks it. Like, this This Ravens defense is just special, man. I think anywhere this game was played, it was going to wear down this Texans team just if, like that. If, that. if that ball gets to Brevin, I think he houses it. He houses I mean, it, yeah. there, There's, a lot, there's a, lot of, a lot of green in front of him. You saw the speed last week with that, you know, that 76-yarder against the Browns here. Um I just dude, this 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 Ravens defense, man. They just they just beat the shit out of you. I, I think as the, as the like as the NFL like as a whole, I think is just like slowly transitioning to this like you know this this emphasis on speed. They mm-hmm. double down, triple down on just toughness. They hit harder than anybody, and it's just like like if you're a receiver, you do not want to be going over the middle against this team. I mean, they will just light you the fuck up. And they're doing it without Marlon Humphrey so far, which is like a big edge to their defense, which is crazy, man. And you know, at least for the Ravens. I know it's Patrick Mahomes this week in the AFC Championship, but who who doesn't want this matchup? Like, who does not want to go to Baltimore right now and get a chance to knock off the MVP and go to the Super Bowl? I really would have liked to see Josh Allen be able to do it. I'm mean, just talking about a, a pure roster size standpoint. If you stack rosters, I like the Bills versus the Ravens more than I like the Chiefs. Uh, you can argue that the Chiefs' defense, with how they've been playing late, you mean can can really put some pressure on the offense and maybe contain trying to contain Lamar maybe contain Lamar a little bit better AJ Klein limping around trying to run out Lamar I just feel like the the Bills would be able to have better opportunities to score more points on the Ravens than the Chiefs do if you if you roster stack and you know size match rosters on on offense there but again you like you can't write the script any better Mahomes visiting the MVP of the season obviously not named yet but most likely, and and to to get a shot to go to the Super Bowl, you can't write it any better. 
Let's go over to the uh, the Packers visiting the 49ers. And what you were talking about, could Brock Purdy be in a imminent collapse game? And which kind of looked very sloppy. He was on the seesaw like a motherfucker, but I got to give my credit where credit's due. <laughs> I mean, but you talked about a, a late touchdown from CMC as well to get it done. The Packers had full control of this game. This was a game that the Packers simply lost. In my opinion, not where the 49ers won it. The Packers lost it 24-21 49ers as they go back to their second straight NFC Championship appearance. I, I feel for Jordan Love, man, because like through like 65% of this game, he was playing immaculate. Like some of the, like that, uh, that, he had that, that one deep, that one deep throw, like on the sideline to, to Romeo Dobbs, where he like, he scrambled, scrambled to the left a little bit and put that on it. Just a dart on the sidelines. I mean, he was making all the, making all the throws, like really everything that we've seen from him over the last last couple of weeks when this offense has really started to click and then really there was he made two mistakes the entire game and they were the that's what that's what cost him the game you know, that uh the, the the interception ball was just a bad throw i think yeah. it was behind Cross think it was behind body. Muscle, behind well, the even the first one i mean oh, when the it was the, the first one they're up they're up 21-14 with the ball kind of still controlling the game and then i think it was uh it's in the Musgrave or crap I, I can't remember i think it was Musgrave just threw it behind him he's wide he's he's open for the first down and uh, they, they, they get the pick there. I think it turned into a San Fran field goal. And then, of course, everyone is just going to – everyone's going to focus on that that last interception. And it's funny. I mean, it's – when you – I know when, when it happened, Favre wasn't a Packer anymore. But it's, it's hard <laughs> it's hard not to compare it to, to that Favre <laughs> yep, interception yep. against the Saints in the NFC Championship. It's it's the same – it's the same play. Same throw. Sp- <laughs> scramble, scrambling right, throwing like a Hail Mary ball over the middle of the field across your body that you that you don't need – and it ends up being the play that costs you. And it's just unfortunate because I think the Packers had, I don't know if they had three timeouts or they had two timeouts. There's like a, like a, timeouts, a yeah. just over, just over a minute left. Like you've got, you've got time. You've got plenty of time. And it just, again, it's unfortunate that that's the play that when you, you go back and you watch the, you know, the highlights of this game, that's going to get fixated on. And dude, I mean, he, he looked like a top five quarterback until, until middle of the third quarter. And then it's just, it, 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 it went away from him. I do think the one thing, you know, I know on, on the show on a couple of Mondays now, we've we've gone back and forth on the MVP debate between, you know, whether it's is it should it be Purdy, should it be Lamar, is it is it going to go to a quarterback? Does a position player maybe get it? Now it looks like it's going to go to Lamar, and and that that's fine. There's you know I, I I got no arguments there, but like Christian McCaffrey is the only reason that the Niners won this game. I mean, thank you. You go you go middle mid, mid, mid third quarter, well yeah, start the third quarter. Niners go three and out. Packers come down immediately, score a touchdown. They go up thirteen seven, and you've got you've got the Niners sort of on their back feet a little bit. And then McCaffrey just houses like a forty yard touchdown that no other running back in the league would have would have scored otherwise. And that set that that put them back in the game. That 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 gave them the lead. And it just it's hard to not watch this Niners team and go, yeah, that guy is far and away their best player and their biggest difference maker. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. And this this bro, this playoff series always delivers like since we were younger yep con kaepernick versus aaron Rodgers, still yep. delivering yep. 10 years later and it's funny to watch matt lafleur post aaron Rodgers era look like more of a wizard in the play calling game i mean they were doing that toss power with aaron jones time and time and time again and just gashing them packers are going to go back and look at this film though and be like we wasted so many opportunities like Halfway through third quarter, the end of the game, like constant stall outs, third down. I think there was one big third and two. Jordan Love missed Aaron Jones over the middle that was wide open. There was one that was, I think they were past the 50 yard line. It was like third and nine, another missed opportunity. Like they're going to look back at this game, even with the mistakes, and just be like, damn, we look at this one get out of our hands. Like we had these motherfuckers on the ropes. Romeo Dobbs in his first two playoff games is winning versus all the top corners. Like that tore up Dallas, was having great reds versus Charvarius Ward all game. That was something that was crazy to watch. Brock Purdy, I'll I'll say I wasn't impressed at all by his his performance in totality. What I was uh, impressed by by Brock Purdy was his ball placement and decision in the clutch. Like, that ball to Jawan Jennings over the middle on third and 10 with the game on the line was the best throw I've ever seen Brock Purdy throw. There was another one. Chris Conley was wide open. But on the the drive that looked down to the touchdown at the end of the game, got to have it. Chris Conley corner, perfect ball, perfect timing. There was a third and six. Um, I think the drive you touched on in the third quarter before when the Packers start out hit George Kittle on like a third and six on the across the middle. George Kittle takes that 35 yards. That sets up the Chris McCaffrey touchdown. That completely changed the game. If they start on that third and six, it's probably game over. And for all, he did look uncomfortable in the rain. 
was wiping his hands and missing balls, and there's a couple of misses that are really bad that almost cost the game. Almost picks it. I mean, we got. I mean, Darnell Savage, we got to catch that pick on the first play of the game. That could change the game too. But when they need him the most, he did come through. So I will give that to Brock Purdy. But it was really Christian McCaffrey that was keeping them in second manuals and third manuals, making sure he couldn't make the biggest mistakes he could. But I gotta give a shot. I mean, the Packers have something brewing over there, bro. Young ass team overall, making plays. They can win versus top guys. Like. I love what they got going over there. And I think they're going to have another. This playoff series is in this iteration. This era is just getting just started. Getting and started. I would not be surprised if the Packers turn this around from 0-1 to 2-1, 3-1 later down the year. So this is going to be something to watch. Like, there there is a scenario. Like, the Packers could have won this game by three touchdowns. I mean, they were oh, yeah, they were yeah. the they were the better team for, for the majority of this game. And, you know, it. It was very reminiscent of the the Eagles Niners matchup from from a few weeks ago, where like yeah. the first first two drives of the game, the Eagles marched down the field with ease against this defense, and they have to settle for three both drives. The same thing happened here. I mean, like the the first first two Packers drives, man, they were yeah. like Aaron Jones was just running the ball at will. I mean, they they were just like there was there was no resistance whatsoever until they got into the red zone. And again, when when you're a 10 point dog playing on the road against a team like San Fran, man, yeah, like yeah, field yeah. goals are just not going to get it done. So even when they were up, I think they're up, they're up six, nothing. It's just like, uh, you, you just, you just know that, Hey man, we, those, those gotta be, those, those have to be touchdowns here. And it just, God, if you're a Packers fan and we got a lot of Packers fans in the discord. So like, I just kind of getting the reaction <laughs> after the game and yeah, they, they were all like really, really bummed. But I think all of them for the most part were just like, you know, kind of, I think more so excited for the future. They weren't really, you know, you know, weren't really hanging their heads too much. It's just, man, I mean, everything that went wrong down the stretch went, went wrong. And this game, this game was within reach. Like their last, last couple of drives, you have the Jordan Love touchdown. They go three and out. And then you've got the Carlson missed field goal. And we, we, you have to touch on that for a second, man. I mean, this has been like, he was the worst statistically. He was the worst kicker in the NFL this year. And right before they they trot out Carlson for the kick, uh, I think like, I forget who the sideline reporter was. The sideline reporter said, like, the direct quote was from Matt LaFleur was that when he goes out there, I just close my eyes and pray. If that's what you're doing when your kicker goes out there, then you need a new kicker. Yeah, like, or or they, why they, are you sending him out? Like, go for pl- it. You've had plenty of time to 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 pull anybody to pull anybody off 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 the streets to come in here that might give you just a little more confidence. And like, I just it, it's it's unfortunate that like missed field goals were were a very common key theme this weekend. Yeah. But but dude, like. You saw this coming. Lafleur saw this coming, and if that's the case, like, how is he? How is he still? How is he still the guy? So, it's unfortunate, man. But I think if anything, if you're Detroit, you got to be looking at the San Fran defense, and like, to an extent, you're kind of licking your chops. Like, you can run the ball against this team, and throughout the course of the year, I mean, like, look, Detroit has has so many weapons. We'll talk about them, you know, when we when we go into the next game here. But like, Detroit has been most successful this year when they when they're able to establish the run, when they're able to when they're able to you know, really just sort of control, control the pace and you can run the ball against this team. I think, I think Jameer Gibbs is in for a, a monster week next week. And I think that would, that's going to be the potential difference maker of maybe the lions pulling this off. We'll, we'll see here, but like this, this San Fran defense is, is, is beatable. I don't think that they're like the, this gauntlet that I think that they were sort of like elevated to really throughout the year. I mean, this is a beatable team. And also, but also look at like what that could be for the, Detroit defensive front. I mean, we contain Brock Purdy. We make him make some unrealistic decision making. And this is our game too, because our pass rush is going to get to Brock Purdy. And it also goes to the, the point too, if the Packers are able to pull this game off, we get to see a division rivalry game in an NFC championship game where the Packers get to go to Detroit. But I also want to bring it back to Brock Purdy again, just because the, I'm going to give him some props here just for that throw to George Kittle, that touchdown throw, breadbasket throw, wide open, makes a throw. That's a great throw. But also, the lack of, I guess, slight communication errors with Brandon Ayuk. And so it, I go back to the one throw where Ayuk is going on to the left side of the field. He's wide open, and Brock Purdy just takes one look and just yucks that ball 40 yards out of bounds. That's grounding. I mean yep. that is that that's grounding right there. I, I'm surprised, and there, you saw there was a discussion with the refs after that. But the decision making with Ayuk was not really there. the The communication was not really there. And you look with the Debo injury and what this could mean. We already saw some reports saying that this is the same injury that sidelined him for two weeks. 
He said he might be able to go, still probably going to end up being a day-to-day game-time decision. But at the end of the day, do you gamble with him to play and risk hurting this more if they were to win and go to the Super Bowl? Or do you sit him and then he would get all of this week off, all of media no. week off, no, no, no. and then you if- go to the Super Bowl? Now, like if 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 he's able to if he's able to play, he plays, and if he's not, he's not. I don't I don't think you're, like I think the entire decision is just going to be based off of the. I think it's going to be probably on Debo. Like hey, like can can you play through it? Or are you ready? I don't think there's any any logic around potentially resting him and getting and getting him ready because like I I doubt that they're going to feel that complacent going going into this matchup. You know, you talk about the uh, like. Again, the Packers lost this game. Yeah, the ref the refs didn't lose them this game. Right. But my Dude. God, the refs completely sandbagged them on <laughs> on on, on like, God, just off the top of my head, like th- three or four very very key plays. The uh, their second drive where they ended up turning turning it over on downs. The spot on th- the spot on third oh. down was <laughs> awful. And it was then, an inch away. It was an inch away, and then so they got they got crushed on on the on the third down spot. And then like I've watched a hundred replays of this, like. D- Jordan Love got the first down. Did he not? Like... Arguably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. It's either one so, inch or a first down. Yeah. That that's that should have been a first down for Jordan Love. And then there was like a busted, like a busted screenplay with a lot of pressure on Love, and he threw it. And like Aaron Jones was like somewhere within the vicinity, and the refs talked about it, and they ended up th- they ended up throwing mm-hmm. the the flag for grounding. And then they don't throw the flag on that Purdy play, which then I think which then led to the they they, they scored like two plays after that. And again. I'm not saying this was like, you know, ref show. That's why the Niners won. The Packers still had ample opportunity to win this game and and they they choked it away. But man, Niners got a lot of love, lot of uh, love from the Zebras this game. And <laughs> it's 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 hard to argue against that. No, 100 percent And one thing about about this game that was hilarious. I wanted Dre Greenlaw to fumble that ball so bad. <laughs> what are you doing, yo? Him and Frank Warner had a great game flying around. They were getting be on the tosses, whatever, but they're flying around hitting out. Getting turnovers, getting a hand on ball, and Drake Greenlaw is just like just out in space in his mind, running around like he's about to score in a flag football game. Like I wanted him to fumble that ball so bad just for the comedy. Well, they they talked about it too. They asked Fred Warner in the press conference, and he's like, he told me he wanted to get a pick six, so he was trying to run it back. And then and then they talked to Greenlaw himself, and he's like, yeah, everyone when I was running with the ball, all I was hearing from my teammates when I'm running is go down, go down, go down. What are you doing? Yeah, so that was uh, that was a little funny way to kind of ice the game there. Let's head over to the. the Lions here getting a win at home. Another playoff win for mm. the Detroit Lions against Baker Mayfield and the, uh, I guess, the the relatively hot Bucks. Let's look at the Lions this season. Most wins in 32 years. The NFC North champions. First playoff wins in 32 years. And Ford Field's first ever sellout season. Who the hell does not want to ride for the Detroit Lions this season? This kind of Cinderella-esque story. You look at you look at Aiden Hutchinson when he got drafted. Kind of what he was coming into. The first pick of the draft. Detroit's kind of working on this rebuild. They come, they come from where the hometown kid from Michigan comes here, helps his team get to a, a potential one win away from heading to the Super Bowl. Special, special stuff for the Lions. Uh, we see that that the uh, the old gentleman there, the 66 year long season ticket holder. Uh, I, I can't I can't be more uh, happy for you as you get to see this Lions team. Let's dive into the game. 31-23. Again, another game that was was close for for I guess the underdog that was keeping it close with the with the favorite thought the Bucks had a shot to pull it out I, I think they kind of just took their foot off the gas a little bit and 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 gave the Lions a chance talk about uh, Jameer Gibbs in, in in this performance I guess I was dead wrong on that I thought we were going to see a lot more of David Montgomery uh, that certainly wasn't the case bad read on on my part I guess but when you have a dual threat with them it's kind of like you know we we I guess we just get to pick and choose. Who's going to have the better game, Gibbs or Montgomery? We are just fortunate enough to have, to deal with this. But you look at Baker Mayfield in this game, uh, a solid, solid performance. I know we get the first pick earlier in the first series. Uh, that yes, really wasn't his fault. Uh, obviously, tip pass. But great game for Baker. If you're a Bucks fan, you got to be very happy with where your team is right now. A, a toss-up of a division that it was in the NFC South this year, and you guys were able to get to, you know, a, a chance to to go to the NFC Championship. But my question for the end of the game is, why did we go for two there? Like... Oh, no, you go... No, you, like, the, 
But you the kick math, the field goal. You, you all you have to do is go back down and score and kick another field goal. It's not like we so, had to go for two. The lot. So the the analytics in that spot says says to go for two. So like it, look, it dep- depends on your offense, right? But like just the reasoning behind it for for people that don't get it is. I think like roughly across like you know across all NFL teams and again not all of them are going to do it at this clip but like the success rate on two point conversions is is about is about 50%, right? So it's like if you go for it and don't get it you still have a chance that if you score again you can go for it and you, and you know it's, it still ties the game. So it's like if you think you're going to get it at minimum one out of two times you go for it there because if you get it the first time you give yourself a chance to to win the game with an extra point the second time. So like the math says to do it like like if, if I'm an Eagles fan, if the Eagles are in that spot, the exact spot the Bucks are in, I want us going for two. Yeah. And I, I think most teams, like again, like if you're the Carolina Panthers in like week three, you don't do this because I don't think you trust your offense to do it at that clip. <laughs> right. But every team in the playoffs has to at least have, you know, some semblance of faith in their offense to to, to be to be able to do it. Especially if you're you know Bucks, you're you're a heavy dog coming into this game. I think you know it's like. You know, it's 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 like in you know in college football where like you know the, some no name team is playing like the number four team. They go down. It's like they go for two just to go for the win. Like I think any chance you have to go for the win, you have to take it here. So I have no problem with them going for two. The math the math checks out. It says in that spot you should be going for two and essentially playing playing for the win. Yeah. No. Um. This game for Motown was something crazy. Remember I told you when I went to Fort Field and I'm like, yo, this stadium is actually turned. Like I was in there thinking like for a playoff game, this place is probably crazy. And you saw real home field advantage. There's multiple places where the bus really couldn't get into this, get, get into their uh, sets like, like they wanted to. Um, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Glenn. Haven't talked to him a lot this year. Defensive coordinator for the Lions. Dialing up just exotic blitz after exotic blitz. Brian Branch on a nickel blitz, getting Mel Fondue on a nickel blitz, just completely killing drives that were huge for the Bucks. And then, and end of the second half, Mike Evans, well, beginning of the game, Mike Evans had that drop, yeah, led to the pick, wide open. End of the second half, Mike Evans makes two gigantic why he will be a gold jacket guy plays yep. to get the touchdown. Bucks get the ball back at half, driving, get to the 50. Aaron Glenn, first half was calling the slot, which is for Brian Branch and Mel Fonwu. Dials up a middle blitz, completely confuses the fuck out the box. Aiden Hutchinson comes free. Sacks Baker Mayfield, stalls that drive, completely changes the game. Won't get talked about a lot because their defense has been up and down this year, but I thought Aaron Glenn caught a tremendous game and then got a shot at to Jared Goff, man. Like, he put Todd Bowles in such a bind because you don't want to you don't want to man blitz him with the matches that they have all over the field. You don't want to zone Jared Goff because that's what he's best against. Then we can't really get pressure before because his line's O-line is incredible. And he was just dotting them up. And every single second and long, third and long, got to have it. Clutch situations. Laporta here. Amara St. Brown here. That third and 15 that Amara St. Brown, like, they will watch that play over and over in Detroit. That was a crazy fucking play. And, I, and Sam Laporta, you talk about they trying to get Zach Ertz. He's another one that's going to be special. If they get Zach Ertz in that building to mentor that kid on top of that, I mean, you saw it on display. Like, these guys on turf at their own field are something different. And I, Baker, like, I, career year, laid all on the line, did everything you needed to do. I think the Bucks got their quarterback. I think they got their quarterback. And I'm happy for Baker for stamping, stamping himself this year in, in this situation. And my, one of my favorite quarterbacks so like, to watch. Look, the- if, if, if you're the Bucks, I think you, you, would like to have, you would like to have Baker back. It just, like, if I'm not mistaken, I, be- I believe Baker's a free agent, yeah, right? He is. So. He is. Like there's gonna there's gonna be there's gonna be a market for him, man. I mean, like I'm true. curious I'm that curious how true. much the Bucks are gonna be willing to pay him to bring him back. Like again, I'm sure they'd love to have him back in the building. But like I had this thought yesterday. Like if you take this version of Baker and you put him on the Atlanta Falcons this year, I like th- I think the, the, there's like I think a small chance the Falcons are in the NFC Championship. Like <laughs> the Falcons roster was loaded, very very underrated defense and. Again, still almost stumbled into the playoffs. Like Desmond Ritter just single-handedly sold their entire season. And like I think he like somebody like Baker, just the elevation between like, you know, the shitty starting quarterbacks and him is he's proven it's a it's a it's a pretty wide gap. Like he's not a top ten quarterback. I don't even know if top fifteen is is, is pretty right. damn close. But you gotta give him credit, man. He balled out in both playoff games. He balled out the entire year. And I think it's just it's 
it's it's really good for I think his overall career arc and just how people are going to evaluate Baker Mayfield like in a vacuum here. So I'm curious to see like what the market for him is going to be and whether or not he's back with the Bucks. But he's he did everything he needed to and then some to I think cement himself as a starter in this league for for years to come. Dude, and the thing with Baker too in the edge is like. Baker in the clutch on drives you need to score is just incredible. Like that last drive where they try to go down and score at the end, like he was just fitting balls into crazy places. One thing you talk about, we'll get to the matchup next week, but we were talking about how the uh, the Packers were running those toss plays and, and the pulling linemen and getting to the second level to Fred Warner, those guys. Sewell pulling for Jameer Gibbs is something that is so special to watch. If they're able to do this and get to the second level of those guys against the 49ers, that's going to be something crazy to watch. And I want to shout out, General Johnson got banged up our guy. Ragnow got banged up too bad. Looked like he wasn't going to be able to play at all. Comes back in and is just moving bodies. And on the Jameer Gibbs touchdown, the long run, to, to pretty much kind of put the game away. He got to the second level and had a block on, I'm pretty sure it was Levante David. Completely moved him out the way. And that's why if you watch that replay, there was a fucking seed for Jameer Gibbs to run through. And he's their X Factor, man. Like, it's, it's crazy watching guys this young make gotta have it plays. Like, Jameer Gibbs making gotta have it plays. They're not going to talk about Jamison Williams a lot, but there was a couple second and tens. I think he had, like, three catches. There was, like, a second and ten and a couple other big, big catches he had to have. And these guys are all super young, man. Like, Motown's moving. I think the train probably ends, but I'm rooting for it hard. And they got something special, man. Especially with that head of Jared Goff, man. And it, who, I don't know, man. I, I I like gun to my head right now. It's hard. This, it's hard not to take the points at least. They're man, getting six. Like, they're, they're getting six and a half. I'm taking this. Like, taking come on. Six and a half. Yeah. I, I I think it's. I do. I really think it's. I think it's a. It's a. It's a. At least a somewhat solid matchup for Detroit. Like, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna try to run the ball as much as possible early. I think you're gonna see. Like it's back-to-back games now where I think they've they've capped Jameer Gibbs at like 35% of the snaps and Monty to like 65. And like I, I don't want to I don't want to overreact to to just two games here, but like there's that's it's back-to-back games now where their opening drive, the Lions have marched down the field, they've gotten to like the two or three yard line, and then they have tried to just force it to Monty and he's gotten stuffed and like it's not six working. Yeah. It just it's just not working. And if, and it feels like every time Jameer Gibbs touches the ball, it's an automatic six, seven yards. So I, I do think you see a little bit more of him in in this in the San Francisco game. And again, if they can get him going, I think they can I think they absolutely can compete in this game. Now you're right about Monty. I want to give a quick quick shout out to Avenue Product, Craig Reynolds getting the touchdown. Shout oh, out dude. to my boy, uh yeah. down product, all time, three-time all PSAC player getting a ton in the playoffs. Shout out, bro. <laughs> I, I, you gotta give a lot of credit to uh to, to Ben Johnson too, right? So on nice. like the Craig the Craig Reynolds touchdown. Like, like if you were a, if you were like a David Montgomery anytime touchdown <laughs> ticket holder, you're you're watching that game and you're you're just you're just you're you're puking to yourself. But that was just such a big brain call to Craig Reynolds because I'm sure if you're if if you're the Bucks defense here, you see they've got Craig Reynolds out there. I think they brought they brought in Dan Skipper mm-hmm. and he, he gave like, the eligibility shit. Yeah, never in a billion years is this ball going to Craig Reynolds yep. ever. Like never in a million years on fourth and goal from like the one are you taking out Gibbs, taking out Montgomery, and putting in Craig Reynolds to give him the ball. And I just think. It was just such a big brain move to do that. They didn't see it coming. And he literally like marks the back of the end zone untouched. But the one thing you got to give Ben Johnson credit for, and, and he did this, uh, he did this against, against us last week too, is like when they're protecting a lead and trying to milk the clock, it's just time and time again, we've seen, we've seen these, like these, you know, really, really strong offensive units get conservative, try to just, just commit to the run, milk the clock out. And I think like in their last three drives, they were like, I think they, they were throwing the ball like three times more than they were running it. I mean, yeah. it's like those those short passes to to St. Brown are essentially like like an extension of their run game, but they have so much faith in Jared Goff to be able to make the right decisions there. And they clearly like they've got the they got the receiver weapons to be able to do that. But it just feels like a lot of a lot of young, especially a lot of coaches, and I think, you know, maybe just some you know more inexperienced coaches, I just think are it's easy to kind of tuck your tail between your legs, give the ball to Gibbs and Montgomery three times, cross your fingers and hope you get a first down and then you can ice the game. And they're like, at fir- they're first down from like their own 20. They're, they're, they're coming out throwing. And I just think like, that's, that's what's required. If you want to win games, if you're, you know, play to win, don't play not to lose. And Detroit has proven that that's what they're doing here. And you got to tip your cap to that. I want to go back to a- another storyline from the end of the game. Now that's kind of circling of, Tabo yeah. is not really calling the timeout there. It is fourth down, though, and we don't want to take those 23 seconds or 32 seconds, what was on there. Call the timeout, get the ball back, no timeouts, and see if we can go down and try to tie the game. He kind of just said it would, it would be unrealistic and kind of just threw in the towel there. Do you agree with the call there, or do you want to just go see us kind of fight to the end, even though it would be uh, very hard to do so? So at, at first, it wouldn't have mattered, right? Because it's like if 
like the blame at first should be should be on Jared Goff for snapping the ball too early, and I think mm-hmm. he did it twice. Like if you're doing the math, because again, I, I forget for, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong here. I think going into the just going into the the Lions last drive, the Bucks only have one timeout. Right. So if the Lions milk the milk the clock properly, the one timeout doesn't matter. The game will just end. And I'm pretty sure on second and third down, Goff snapped the ball like with 15 seconds left on the play clock. So the third and 12th play, he takes a knee. There's there's 34 seconds left. If you take a timeout right there, with 30 with 34 seconds left, the 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 Lions would have. I think they had a. Let's see. They, it would have been. They, they were on the the Bucks 31. So it's a 48 yard field goal. Like, dude, we we've seen enough missed field goals this weekend that that decided games. Like, again, I wouldn't have minded him. I didn't mind him not taking it on first down. I didn't mind him not taking it like on second down. But then like when you realize, oh shit, Joff uh, got Joff. Goff jumped the gun pretty aggressively on the yeah, last yeah, two yeah. plays. Wait, wait a minute here. Like, and I, I feel like the when you when you hear Todd Bowles' explanation, like it like he's playing it off as if like it was like the, the game was like a thousand percent over. Yeah, if the if the Lions come out and make the field goal, then yeah, the game's over. You're down 10 with like, you know, 24 seconds left, the game is over. But like a missed field goal, a blocked field goal, like there's there's a lot of things that can happen there. And again, I think going into the drive. He probably was ready to throw in the tail and not burn the timeout. And I just don't think like he didn't react to when Goff was snapping the ball too early. And I don't think he I just don't think it clicked like, oh, shit, how much time is still left on the clock here? So, like, I, I think this this needs to be this definitely needs to be talked about more because, again, we've seen a lot of kicker mistakes that have decided games here. And like you, know, you saw just how much you know, Baker's out there putting everything he had in this game. He's fighting. You don't think Baker wants 30 seconds to be able to at least pull off some kind of a miracle so that was that was bizarre man the, the, whole, the whole sequence was just was really weird yeah and, and that's why you know it's all the the videos are circling on zooming in on the timeout also that people questioning don't you get the automatic stoppage anyway when you get the fourth down or do you still have to call that I, I don't really understand that either um but yeah I thought they would just try to go down and and at least give your your offense a shot or without I guess throwing in the towel but another weird storyline that's surfacing uh, after that loss for the Bucks. We'll head over to our final game of the divisional round. The Kansas City Chiefs in Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game over to Orchard Park where Deion Dawkins saying that they have the upper hand here. We get to go eat buffalo wings and they have to travel to us. They do so and they get the win. The Tyler Bass missed 44-yarder. We don't get to see a uh, classic overtime game between these two elite quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. We also don't get to see if Josh Allen can finally defeat the overtime allegations. He cannot defeat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. 3-1 and one in the regular season, 0-3 oh now in the playoffs. The one, the two things I want to mention here are the, the big deep ball, aggressive call on first down to Stefan Diggs, just, just dropped, just dropped. I know it was a little bit off to that right shoulder, but still a catchable ball for a player yeah, that, of his that, caliber. That, 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 the, the height on that ball was insane. I mean, uh, like unreal. If, if, there, if there was a roof on that stadium, it would have, it would have hit it. I mean, <laughs> he, he put everything he had into that. What a beautiful throw. And like, the amount of bitching that Diggs does, man, like that's one you, you, you gotta have to get. Com- you, you, you have to come down with that. And then the other one is the third and six. And I believe that was second down. It was second and six or third and six. And the the check down, wide open check down underneath to Stefan Diggs. He's catching that in stride, you know, for maybe a four yard catch. He's running that an extra 10 yards out of bounds at that point. There's your first down right there. There is the first down. I don't understand why we had to go for it all and kind of throwing a, a ball that was not even close to Khalil Shakir, I think is where he was trying to go. Why do you go for hero ball back to back on on second and third down there end zone plays? We have the first down. Just get the first down. You can control the game at that point. You have the clock on your side. That like we win the game with that first down there. I, so- I don't I don't get it. So we'll we'll uh, we'll work backwards here because there was obviously a lot of stuff that happened before this that <laughs> that, that, that needs to be that needs to be talked about. But if you start with the last drive, I don't mind the I don't mind the second down look. Like you know, uh, I think it was I think Chris Jones was the one bringing all the pressure on the left side and essentially just bulldozed their left tackle into Josh Allen and like he hit him just enough to 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 alter that throw a little bit. Like a half second earlier like that's probably a touchdown like Shakir's open they get the they they get the coverage they want Shakir is open in the end zone Allen just misses him he gets you know 
like Tony Romo was just slurping him the whole game. Yeah. To me, it's not like oh, he got rocked. God. But when you when you watch it, like you know, it, it, it threw him off just a little bit, and he just missed him. But like you know, again, I don't mind them, you know, going for the win there. He, if he's if he's got it, if he has an open receiver, and again, Shakir's open in the middle of the end zone. I have a lot of issues with the third down play because at that point, again, you need like you know you know that Bass has had you know some issues this year. You know he's he's a somewhat reliable kicker, but it's probably the worst year of his career. You're in Buffalo, that wind is swirling. I mean, it's just it's a tough environment. At you know factor in the pressure element of it all. Like you have to you have to get five six yards on third down no matter what. And I, I definitely put that on. I definitely put that on Josh Allen. Um, but I also think like this is where it just gets tough, but. Like the way that they were managing the clock down the stretch just didn't really make sense. I get it. You want to, you don't want to give Mahomes too much time to be able to come back and, and do what Mahomes does there. But like, dude, you're still trailing. Like these three <laughs> points aren't automatic. And if you play it properly, you can you can essentially score like a walk-off touchdown here. And like I I think you know, there was a like, you know, they they got they got a first down and then I, I can't remember if it was like the play they got them the first down or if their first down play on their the, the last series. Like there was, it was like two minutes and forty seconds left. They let it run. They let it run all the way down to the two minute warning, and then it just the last drive. It's just, it just felt like, like I felt like they, there wasn't a plan. They didn't, they didn't know if they were playing for three or playing for a touchdown. And I feel like the clock, the, the way they managed the clock, just felt so clunky. But I don't know. At the, end of, at the end of the day, I don't think you can, you can't put this game on Josh Allen. I'm seeing a whole lot of like Josh Allen hate and criticism again, and I feel like a lot of my opinions are based off of just like the immediate reaction and discord and like. That Mooney gang was was crucifying Josh Allen, and Josh Allen balled out, dude. I mean, he he did everything he could. He, he made very very few mistakes. Again, I think you can certainly criticize the decision making on that third down play to an extent, maybe the second down. But again, I didn't mind the look to Shakir; they almost had it. But like, if without Josh Allen, I mean, they they, they get blown out in this game. He balled out. He played his ass off. You know, they they couldn't stop him running the ball. But. uh yeah, it just like that the way that they managed that last drive from the decisions on second and third down, from the way that they managed the clock, and then like it just felt like they were in the driver's seat and they essentially like like you know played for a 44 yard field goal. And it just like you had you had other options there. So and it just it's so fitting. I mean, you you gotta be so you gotta feel fitting. gutted. You gotta feel gutted for Bill's for Bill's mafia, Wide man. Right I mean they, wide right i mean you know get shout out scott norwood i mean it's just it's 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 unbelievable that that, that that's how that's what this comes down to but you did see that wind kind of like murk that like that mur- that yeah, i mean it looked like it was right ball. down off the foot it was right down right the middle, down right down the middle and then it looked, it looked like in the span of like three yards it, had, it, it just had no shot. whipped right it, i mean that was that was whipped nuts. right but again you had ample opportunity to to do again i think it was a 44 yarder yeah. like with a a little bit of brain power that's that's a 38 yarder and it's just it's much more manageable here and i think you know on third down allen just got way too aggressive no you hit the nail on the head i watched the highlights back and they did they did an aerial view on that third down play and as josh Allen's kind of trying to roll to the right and make the hero play the end zone kincaid is just wide open over the middle he wasn't at the sticks but it's just a way shorter play and he might have been able to get the first down too this game was everything you could have asked for absolute cinema at orchard park it's rocking they're throwing snowballs. I have my own opinions about that, but I like how it asked the Tet. Those Eagles fans, game. man. Those Eagles fans got went to Buffalo and were throwing snowballs at, at the Chiefs players, man. Those dirty, yeah. dirty, stinking Eagles fans. They're just the worst. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Add it to the flavor of the game. Physical football game. Great football game. At first, t- the Bills were pushing the Chiefs around. James Cook like the X factor to this series early on. Was getting five, six, seven, even eight yards of pop. Josh Allen's making plays. I have to shout out Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey coming through again, breaking the record for most touchdowns between a duo in the playoffs. Pat Mahomes, six straight AFC championship as a starter. And this has come through time and time again. I have a couple questions to ask, though, because we're seeing the best, one of the best games I've seen this year. Sean McDermott calls a fake punt to DeMar Hamlin. <laughs> and, then I, and then another call, Big Red, in the red zone on the one-yard line, one of the biggest plays of the game. Miko Harmon fumbled the look you gave him on the first time on the first play you tried to do to Miko Harmon. He fumbles it. I've that's seen a, that's I've the seen thing, the, he's I've seen thousand yard rushers get benched for fumbling their first touch. You go back to him in the red zone when Pacheco's rolling, Travis Kelly's rolling, and Pat Mahomes is rolling. Couple things this game, but the Mar Hamlin fake punt was just absolutely egregious. I'm watching a classic game. I'm like, I can't take this. What am I looking at, bro? So it, it turns out on the fake punt play, like it, it was it was They're like a ten it, on the they, field, right? They, they checked to it because yeah. they were going to punt. They checked to it because the Chiefs only had 10 people on the field. So, like, that's fine. 
it, dude, it's just like it's the fact that it went to Demar Hamlin. And, <laughs> like, I'm meme. sorry, I'm sorry. Like, it's it, that that's what makes this just so just so absurd. Even if like like because I'm pretty sure throughout the year, I know he has he's, he's barely played on defense this year, but they have had him out there on a few special teams. So I'm pretty sure like he's he's been in that spot on special teams at this year. But dude, dude, like, just... if you're gonna check the fake punt. Fourth and five on your own 30 in the fourth quarter of this game <laughs> to Damar Hamlin. You have to be a thousand, one thousand percent sure that you're going to get it. Like, it felt like a fucking Disney Channel original movie. The game's a classic. I'm watching it. They call out a play. And I'm just like, wait, what the fuck is it? Wait, what the fuck am I watching? Like, yo. Like... <laughs> and the dude, again, thank because obviously, like, people are still going to, you know, meme this to death forever and, like, rightfully so. But it's going to get a little bit less attention because the chiefs ended up fumbling out of the end zone mm-hmm. on the next drive on the Hardman play. And like that, the, you know, the coaching decision on that to even, to even call that Dude. was just as maybe a higher level of malpractice than, than the Hamlin play. So I do think it takes a little bit of the attention off of the fake punt, but I, I, I can't wrap my brain around either of those decisions. You go to the chiefs play, Manny, you made a great point. Hardman's first touch, he fumbled it. Like in, in the in the in like the same spot. Still, they gave him. It's like what they they can only give this ball. They can only give this guy the ball within the five yard line <laughs> and like really really high leverage spots. So the fact that like Pacheco marched down the field, after you know, marched down like those the, the last three plays post the the the, the Demar Hamlin bust the play, and then you get cute with Miko Hardman. I mean. <laughs> I just it's 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 downright insane to me, man. Especially like Andy Reid is a tremendous coach, tremendous you know, just tremendous offensive mind. The biggest flaw that he has is you know, is Eagles fans know is like the clock management. Mm-hmm. Like like this isn't a decision that you would expect out of Andy Reid to to for that to happen. It's it's just it's it's downright insane. So, um, but what a game! What a, what a game! It's really everything that you could have asked for in terms of just the 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 drama, the drama element of it. Um, I'm curious on your guys point of view on on the, the touchback rule because i know that's going to get yep. a lot of that's yep. going to get a lot of chatter because of because of the hardman play people have been complaining about it forever i feel like i'm in the minority here like i like i think the rule is fine perfect i like i like the rule i like the rule as it is and again i'll get a little, little shot of the pft commenter because i think he's like essentially been dying on dying on this hill as everybody in sports media all the fans despise this rule but like the counter argument is dude like the end zones are special places there's different rules that apply in the end zone versus other parts of the field if even a, a, a millimeter of the ball touches a millimeter of the white white paint it's a touchdown like it's just there's i i just i think there has there has to be a penalty for not protecting the ball when you're down by the end zone there so like the one report that came out last night was that they're they're really really considering changing this in the offseason and I think that would I think that would be a mistake. I really do. I 100% agree and you hit the nail on the head. Like I'm going to keep it short. You're going to the most sacred part of the field. If you fumble into it, you can't get help past that. Like you have to be punished. The 20 yard line's enough, but you can't help move back to the 10, move back to the 5. No. You fumble the ball going into the end zone, take your punishment, get benched, fuck all that. Like, I just don't understand. They cannot change that rule. Why why do we have to feel like the minority in that? Like I don't understand why there's more people. I guess maybe I'm naive in, in the yes, argument, but like yeah. well, I don't understand why there's more people that want that changed rather than yeah, keeping like, it I, the same. Like I, 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 yeah, I don't really get it. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm curious to see what, like, what the proposed change is. Like, hey, if you if you fumble it, like, what should happen? It's it's first and goal from the three, and Hardman fumbles the ball out of the end, fumbles the ball out of the end zone. Like, what's the what's fair? The Chiefs get the Chiefs get the ball at the twenty, and essentially, like, the the, the fumble doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't, I just, I, I just don't get it. Like, the you know, the, they say that it's 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 too penalizing. Okay, well then protect the fucking football in the red zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I think if that if that rule if that rule is changed in a way that obviously protects the offense more, then you're going to see guys that are just like pretty much at will, like dive in, stretch, you know, stretching the ball, getting getting more aggressive with it. And it's like, I, I don't think that's a solution to this. No. It's It's got to be like a turnover every time. And for people that are arguing that like it should, to your point, like protect the offense, then what's the point of, of trying to poke the ball loose to the goal line then? I don't understand that. I mean, no. to your point, protect the fucking football. It's, no. It goes, it's that simple. I'm on I, the same page as y'all, but one second, back to this fucking crazy game. I'm sorry. Well, first half, James Cook is mauling them. Second half, Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, Tranquil, all them boys were stuffing the trenches, and it came down to Josh Allen. And I have to give a shout-out to the guy this year, because Stefan Diggs, he's getting older. 
Ain't been a year from Khalil Shakir. Time and time again comes up massive for this team. Third and three, end of the second half, need to have it slant, covered up by an all-pro slot corner, catches a contested catch. End of the game, go back to him again. Another huge play. Big play after big play after big play for Khalil Shakir. Other thing. Dude, dude, tough, dude, dude is a dog, by the way. When he, got, when he got popped, like you, it sounded like his shoulder exploded on, on live TV. I could not believe he came back into that game and then was still making plays. Dude. He got... He got rocked on on that. Uh, it was like that, that that underneath throw at the, yeah. uh, the bottom of the screen. You could you, like that was when you could just hear he didn't he he, he was down. He, even the announcers were like oh like I you know that, <laughs> that was like a bad one. And he walked off the field with his arm hanging down here. Like I for sure thought he was going to be holding his helmet the rest of the game. So what a badass dude. Nah, certified dog. And then the other thing with the Chiefs side, like MVS making your biggest gotta have it plays of the season. Love to see it. Out of halftime, making that crazy catch. And then I think it was like the third down on the other side of the field. Pat Mahomes scrambling, making a crazy play, hitting MVS again. Like I was I was wrong in my assessment last week when I said that we're seeing how Pat Mahomes and, and Josh Allen had to do it by themselves. That was a terrible take, in my opinion. Like we saw how much a supporting cast and the defense and the coaching and the nuance of football comes into play when these teams aren't the same super teams as they used to be. And it was really a joy to watch, man. Like, watching guys like Rasheed Rice get some yak yards, getting banged up, come back in, making plays. Like, this was a hell of a football game. And I just like I just hope this isn't the end of the series. Because we have, I mean, we had guys like Joe Burrow out there, Lamar Jackson added to the series. And it's just getting started with all these guys in the AFC. And this one did not. This one was close to the best, man. It was close to the best. I wonder MVS should have had a touchdown, too. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. You know, honestly, yeah. Hats off to Pat Mahomes. He's he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Will forever be the GOAT. I mean, he just flat out missed him. Yep. On that, yeah. that, that, yep. that crossing route in the back corner of the end zone. That yes, is, sir. again, you also have to assume MVS is going to catch it, and that's, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's, just a little bit too out of reach. Hey, but that day, though. <laughs> it's a bit of a heavy assumption, but yeah, dude, he, you know, that great catch on that deep ball. Um... And I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna see a lot more of him next game. I mean, they've been really weird with their wide receiver snaps. Like Rice yeah. plays the majority of the game, and then it's kind of a mixed bag of like MVS, Justin Watson, lately Hardman, a little bit of Richie James. Like uh, Hardman can't see the field next game, right? I mean, there's just no way Miko Hardman can see the field next game. So I think that means you're gonna see even more MVS. And I am actually very curious to see. Do we see a little bit of Kadarius Tony next weekend? I, Possibly. I, I I I think we I think we might. Um, one other thing, I again, I saw this today. I didn't have this in any place, so I guess I wasn't focusing on this as much. But man, this has to be up there for like bad beat of the weekend. If you're just if you're you know a straight prop better, I don't know if you guys saw the like how the James Cook Dude. rushing prop played out. Oh my god, James Cook rushing total was sixty one and a half yards. <laughs> Going into the fourth quarter, he had sixty seven. In the fourth quarter, he had four carries, negative four, negative three, zero, one, and he finished with sixty one for the under. That is. <laughs> That, that's as that's as puke worthy as it gets. I gotta be. And watching it like oh some of those runs, God. he's willingly going backwards to on a couple of those runs and not getting a field. Like if you're watching that, you have to be crying. And another last point about the game: the Chiefs are doing making the right decision. They're just clogging the middle, stopping the run, shutting down James Cook, putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands because they know historically, if you put it in his hands, he will make a mistake. What do you have? Third and 12, fourth quarter, five minutes left. Gotta have it. Josh Allen scrambles and fumbles. Whoever 27 is tried to scoop and score. Just dive on the ball. I was losing my mind. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid made a big brain play too because Chris Jones is going to recover it. And instead of going for recovery, Chris, I mean, Kincaid kind of just dives on Chris Jones too. But why are we scooping and scoring? Just dive on the fucking ball. I was losing it, bro. I was lost it. Dude, and again, I, I feel like I started my my whole point of view in this game of like, you can't, really, you can't put it on Josh Allen. Hats off to Josh Allen. He's still a beast. But it is funny, man. Like, he just, he, he, the guy can't help himself. Like they have, like their entire offensive scheme, especially lately, has been it, it like intentionally conservative. It's a lot more dink and dunk. Like they are essentially trying to prevent Josh Allen from Josh Allen. making the making the big mistake, and it worked for them this entire game. And then it's just their their last drive. It's when you just get peaked. Josh Allen he decides to cut it loose a little bit, and Dude. like that's. That's what you get. Man. She should have had a pick too. I forget, they, they, I forget who it was, but tapped it. The Jerry Steed is just sitting there waiting for it to come to him on the scene. Oh, that was yeah. That that was that was dangerously close to a pick six. <laughs> dangerously close to a pick six. Dude. I want to give a uh, a shout out too to the uh, 
the Kelsey Mahomes suite was rowdy oh, as shit yesterday. <laughs> Let's talk about Jason Kelsey after the loss. We knew he was going to be there. We knew he was going to be in attendance. He's out with Bill's Mafia doing shots out of what it looks like a bowling ball. Bowling vibing ball. with the fans. That was incredible. Goes into the suite. Has a blast. Uh, it, it almost like... Uh, it almost put more fuel to the fire of how many times we're going to show that suite now that Jason Kelsey's inside yes. dancing around with, with Taylor Swift. And then at the end of the game, jumping out of the suite, the athleticism out of the big fellow, chugging the beer, hopping right back into the suite. What a, uh, what a performance from Jason Kelsey after the I, loss. I, I, I love it. I love it. Man. You gotta and love it, man. Every, I think every, every single Eagles fan was, was, was loving it. I saw a couple of tweets like, yeah, I wonder how Eagles fans feel about this. I I'm saw like, that too. Uh, fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. like, We're vibing I, for I, our brother. The fuck? And do you, I think what's, what's cool too is like, it's it's not all like, it's not all just for the camera. Like I know there's a couple of times where I'm sure he he knew the camera's going to be on him. He's doing the thing where he's just screaming. He's chugging the beer. Yeah. Every single time they pan to the box, even him in the background, he's slugging Jeez. beers. Yeah. I mean, he had to... He had to have had like 18 beers last night. <laughs> the, I mean, the Bud Lights were flowing for sure. Dude, everything was flowing. You Bud Lights, the Labats. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he, the, the, that guy will drink anything you give to him. So, shout out to Jason Kelsey, MV, MVP of the game last night. We saw very little Taylor Swift, and oh I God. think people 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 were fine with that. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm excited, man. Do you again? I know that covers these games. Do you want to just really quick hit? The two next weekend. Oh yeah, let's hundred percent cover these these next two games. We go to Championship Sunday, starting at three oh one. The Baltimore Ravens and MVP Lamar Jackson hosting Ooh, Patrick Mahomes, man. where you make Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs another underdog. It was touched last week. How can you not bet Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as an underdog? Very close to see here. We got a three and a half point spread. It's plus a hundred for the Ravens right now, who are minus 174 on the money line. It's going to be a great defensive battle. What do we like here? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, AFC Championship Sunday. Who do you got? Kansas City Chiefs. It's it's simple. I'm, I'm betting on Patrick Mahomes. I'm betting on the best player in the league, getting points. Fuck. Again, like, if, again, if, if you're a Raven, like, the Ravens, I understand. I understand the Ravens should be favored in, in this game. But I feel like if I was a Ravens fan, I would almost, like, I'd rather it be, like, a pick em or, dare I say, you know, make, make us the dog. Because it's just the whole idea of Patrick Mahomes being an underdog just it just sounds silly. Like, on paper, the Ravens top to bottom are, are better than this Chiefs team. I just, again, I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. You cannot lay points against Patrick Mahomes. It's It's nonsense. So, off the bat. It's just it's simple. It's like a system play. You just bet the Chiefs. You just bet the Chiefs. Nah, yeah, three and a half is crazy. Fuck, man. Three and a half is fucking crazy. Oh my god. This match is gonna be special. I think too. One thing we saw Lamar a lot of running around and stuff like that. Not a lot of people could contain Lamar on the Texans. Chris Jones been here before. We saw Nick Bolton making plays versus Jalen Hurts in the play in the Super Bowl last year. I hate to bring that play up, but they have the bodies to be able to contain Lamar. I think it's gonna be a grueler. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to win, but I think three and a half, it like, I, I think that's way too valuable of a line in a game like this. I think coming out of the last possession, he has a ball last, and I got to go Chiefs plus three and a half. I'm conflicted, though, man, because I want Lamar to win the chip so bad, and I would love Lamar to take down to take down Pat. Like, I want I want to take the Chiefs plus three and a half and then have Lamar win, like, 27, 26 in the game winning field goal drive, and we all just go home happy. Like, or Justin Tucker's the one with the game on the yeah, line. Yeah, like, that's what done. I want. I just... I Go this ahead. is the Super Bowl. If the Ra the Ravens win this game, they if I the Ravens agree. win this game, they win the Super Bowl comfortably. I, I really do. Yeah, I, really I mean, do believe that. Imagine the the highs that you come off on that game. Essentially, our hardest game, like including the Super Bowl, even though we I mean, haven't played it. This is going to be a harder game than Andy it Reavers, would be against the Ravens. This defense is going to be insane. Yep, and I, I mean, I just have to be you know on the other side here. I rode the Bills last week, and Josh Allen's. This is your moment to get it done. It's not necessarily the same thing with Lamar Jackson here but I, I just can't I, I disagree I I, I I disagree I I mean I think like like obviously I'm on the Chiefs here but I I mean this this is the this is the Lamar Jackson legacy game I mean he's, he's about to become the two-time MVP and the you know the argument against his his current legacy is just you know lack of playoffs lack of playoff success and lack of a ring and it's just like this is the year that it, this is the year that it has to happen I mean this is far and away the biggest game of his life and like I I if it wasn't for the fact that they're going up against Patrick Mahomes, Dude. I mean, ev everything in the world, everything in the world points to the Ravens in this game. And I, but I think the same thing was the case last week. I mean, like every ounce of my being really just was saying bills. This is the, the bill. The bills are the better team. The bills have the momentum. The bills are going to win this game. They're at home bills, mafia. You got to bet the bills. And just the only, but 
it's Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's even that's like it's it's twice that factor on both sides this week. It's 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 just my God. I mean, it, you're you're give, you're you're, you're given the devil himself three and a half points. Good luck. I don't know if y'all remember this game. I think it was like 2020, 2021. They played Monday Night Football at MT. Similar line. Obviously, Mark Andrews is playing, and there's a whole different teams. But that was a game of Mark. An- I mean, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson had the game winning rush. He like like summers into the end zone. One thing that's key, I, I saw you can see it in the Texans game. No Keaton Mitchell is gonna play a factor in this game. Just not yep. not having that nuance to 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 factor with these linebackers. It's gonna be a factor to watch. But we gotta get to your pick though. My fault. Though. Yeah, no, I I just wanna I, I wanna go on the Ravens here. I am I'm a generational hater, as many of the clips have have <laughs> have been been shown out there. I've been getting killed for this appreciate, my appreciate. Flyers take. I've been told multiple times I am a generational hater, and I'm going to to stick with that villain card that I have been given. I I want to see Patrick Mahomes lose. It's that simple. I want to see this man and this team go down. And I really thought Josh Allen was going to be the guy to do it and the Thanos to put on that gauntlet to uh, to get it done. And he doesn't. But now you're going against Lamar Jackson. Now you're going against the MVP. Now you're going against a guy that can find a way to get the job done wherever, whenever. If I'm putting my trust into somebody to get it done this weekend and last weekend, I don't care who it's against, give me Lamar Jackson to get this done. And do they cover? Like... It's hard for me. I, I won't even really touch that line. The biggest thing that I would say for the Ravens is in our first, I'm not going to say the, the first drive. I'm going to say the first two drives, no fucking field goals. Has to be two touchdown drives. Put the pressure. Get Pat Mahomes on his heels. Get the offensive line on their heels where they are screaming on the sidelines at each other. You talk about the Cowboys game, getting those those Chiefs fans, getting their, their in their seats, their butts clenching. Like, get the Chiefs to feel uneasy early and we have to play in a stadium that's not our home crowd give me the ravens i would like to see the uh the the super bowl conspiracy i know we talked about it being one and two i would like that to continue see if we can get purple and red uh but my pick is the baltimore ravens give me lamar jackson we got to see it happen like it, it just has to be it has to be said i'm a fucking generational hater i'm sorry Pat i love Mahomes. it i gotta see I love it, it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. all right let's get over to our second and final game the nfc championship our 6 31 p.m game in California, San Francisco, the San Francisco 49ers hosting the one and two seeds, hosting the two seed Detroit Lions, who cannot be a fan, like it's been stated all show, who cannot be a fan of the Detroit Lions right now, the six and a half point favorite 49ers, minus 310 on the money line, and you give plus 250 to Jared Goff, and that defense over in Detroit, what do you like here, Kenny, are we going with the two seed, or are we taking the favorite? I'm on the Lions. I'm going to be on the Lions. I think <laughs> again, another one where I'm curious to see where this goes right now. It's it's six and a half, a little a little more juice on on the minus six and a half. So I think there's there's a small chance that this gets to seven. Um, I just I I, I think I, I think I got to be on I got to be on Detroit here. And and it, I'll tell you this, it it feels it feels wrong. I mean, the the Detroit secondary is is bad. I mean, you can throw all over this team. So. Like I think Brock Purdy is going to be. You know, I'm curious to see how the weather shakes out for this game. I mean, any amount of rain, I think both quarterbacks are in trouble. But I just, I'm, I'm too much of a believer in in what this Lions team's doing. I'm, a, I'm, I'm believing in the the the, the magic of Dan Campbell. It, it's kind of funny. The the comparison that I made is like, it's like in like in the uh, MLB playoffs. And everyone always sort of makes fun of like MLB teams because they are they're champagne showering after after every single series win, they win the wild card and they win the division and they win the, you know, it's like, okay. Like it's like every single game is a super bowl and it kind of feels like that for Dan Campbell. I mean, he just cries after every single big win now. And it's like, <laughs> I, I think we're going to get some, I think we, we could potentially get some happy Dan Campbell tears. I, I think, I think there's just, there's just some magic with this, with this lions team right now. And we saw what the Packers were able to do against this Niners defense. And, I, I think the Lions offense is going to be able to have similar success. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have a big game and it's just going to come down to like what version of Brock Purdy you get. If Brock Purdy plays even like, you know, a, a couple steps below how he played in the fourth quarter, I, I think the Lions are going to have a lot of a, a really tough time getting stops. But if the Lions can get that one extra stop, that one extra turnover, I, I believe that this is a game that they can win. I, I, I really do. I think the, the, the Niners defense has proved that they are vulnerable, especially against the run. And, 
with with the Lions offense, again, I know the focus is you know, how, how well Jared Goff's been, Laporte's a beast, St. Brown's a beast, you got the vertical threat with Jamison Williams, but it all starts with their run game. If they get that play-action game going, they're really, really dangerous. And you can do that against the San Fran team. So, like, if the weather is good, I just, I'm going to just keep hammering the over. I mean, right now, the over-under is 50 and a half. And in, in fair weather, I, I, think, I think this game is going to just be back and forth, just nonstop shootout. And it just it's a matter of, can the Lions get that one extra stop? I believe that they can. I'm taking the Lions with the points, and I'm probably going to be on Lions money line. Yeah, no, I'm I'm rolling with the Motown Magic too, man. I I think they got something cooking for this. And listen, Debo Samuel's health plays a big part in this. Even if he plays, the Lions defense, the secondary isn't really good. But one thing about this Lions defense is they're fast and they're physical. And Debo, if he plays injured, it might affect his game a little bit. Like he's not going to be 100. percent And watching that second half versus Green Bay. Brock, I said Brock Brady did make the plays he had to, but he was on that seesaw when he didn't have Debo out there. Like, you could see the effects of not having Debo Samuel on that offense. I think it's going to play a major role. Jared Goss been in this situation before. Been in, been in big energy championship games before. And the last one he was in, ahead of his team, Todd Gurley, he wasn't in that game. He still got it done. It was a little bit rigged, but we'll get to that another day. I'm going to roll with the Motown plus six and a half. I think this is this is just way too many points in the situation. It's playing way more even than I think. Same thing with the quarterback situation. Like, I... <laughs> Rock my hands, you won. So can Jared, but it's six and a half points. I'll take the underdog. I'm with the Motown Magic, baby. Let's get it. Yeah, I think the conspiracy theory ends here, and we're going to see that uh, that sky blue on the logo uh, as the Uh-oh. Lions are going to take this one. I'm Uh-oh. over the fucking Uh-oh. theory on this one. Um, I just think that the comfortability that the Lions feel right now we got back-to-back wins at home. We were able to play two playoff games at home. We're riding the highs, rolling. and that's what we're going to keep doing. Exactly like you said, rolling. For the 49ers' sake, there's an uncomfortable, unsettling feeling where, like you said, is Debo going to play? How how impactful is he going to be if he plays? At the same time, Brock Purdy didn't look that great. Now we have an even better pass rush coming to make us feel even more uncomfortable in the pocket. I know it's a home game. You feed off the home crowd. You had a chance to, and you didn't really do that against the Packers. I feel like there's an unsettling feeling, not only for us as a as a 49ers team, but those fans. We got we got like you know a fuck you mentality coming in as as the Lions and Dan Campbell against a team that has all the pressure in the world. You're the one seed. You're going back to your second straight NFC Championship game. You didn't get it done last year, but now we should get it done this year. That pressure is going to play a big fo- a big part, especially for Brock Purdy, in my, my opinion. And at plus 250, who doesn't want to root for the Lions right now? Give me the Lions, and we'll see the Lions in the Super Bowl. Lions, Ravens, uh, uh-oh. Yo, one thing, I'm so happy we have another week of post-halftime Dan Campbell. He does not know how to turn off coach speak, and it's so <laughs> fucking great. Like, I just love I need it. I need him to win again. I need him in the Super Bowl. I need more Dan Campbell press coach speak. He can't turn it off, and I love it, bro. <laughs> hey, uh, Kenny, thanks for joining us for uh, Division Around. We will see you in uh, Media Week. Maybe we'll have our own little, uh, you know, maybe dive a little bit into the NBA um, and some other things like that as, uh, you know, we are we're only touching on the Super Bowl and it is media week, so we will have our own media week. Thanks for joining the show as always for this entirety of this NFL nice. season. We will see you for Media Week and the motherfucking Super Bowl. Kill Kenny, CEO and founder of the Moonshot. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Manny Alex, love you both boys. Talk to you next week. Love you too, baby. Right, Talk thanks. to you soon, baby. Oh my god. We've been so fortunate to have the CEO and founder of the Moonshot, Kill Kenny, Kenny McAndrews, to join us all year long, what almost. And what a season. It is coming down to the wire, the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship Championship Sunday. If you did watch this podcast on YouTube, make sure to drop a like, comment, and do not forget to hit that subscribe button. Our Apple Podcasts and uh, and Spotify listeners, scroll down to the bottom, one, two, three, four, five. That's the ratings you give there. Our social media platforms, at ADED Podcast on Twitter, at ADED Pod on Instagram, and our TikTok, which is simply the name of the show, the all-day, everyday show. If you made it this far, we love you. We'll see you from uh, Media Week. You've been listening and watching to the all-day, everyday show with all-day AJ and Manny Ruffin. Championship Sunday. See you from Media Week. 